0: this is speaking of writers i'm steve richards david rubinstein visionary co-founder of the carlisle group and host of bloomberg tv's the david rubinstein show and bloomberg wealth has long dedicated himself to interviewing some of the world's greatest minds and highest performing leaders in the american story rubinstein brought us conversations in the nation's most revered historians on critical lessons from American History and How to Lead, he distilled conversations with the world's most successful leaders into an essential leadership playbook. Now in his new book, The American Experiment, Dialogues on a Dream, Rubinstein brings us his most urgent and inspiring collection of conversations yet as he converses with American icons on just what it means to be an American. David Rubenstein is co-founder, co-chairman of the Carlyle Group, one of the world's largest and most successful investment firms. Mr. Rubenstein is chairman of the boards of the John F. Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts, the Council on Foreign Relations, and the Economic Club of Washington. Mr. Rubenstein is an original signer of the Giving Pledge and a recipient of the Carnegie Medal of Philanthropy and MoMA's David Rockefeller Award. Mr. Rubenstein is the host of Bloomberg Wealth with David Rubenstein on Bloomberg TV and the David Rubenstein Show on Bloomberg TV and PBS makes his home in Maryland. Happy to have David Rubenstein back on this program. David, welcome.
1: My pleasure to be back. Thank you for having me back.
0: You have a a great reverence for history, David. Why is knowing the history of our country so important, so crucial?
1: Well, the theory of history is that you learn the mistakes of the past so that you can do things in the the future that will improve what was done in the past. As is commonly said, those people that don't know history are condemned to relive it. So the theory of learning American history is we can make our country better if we avoid the mistakes we've made in the past, and that's why I think it's important for Americans to learn more about our country's history. Sadly, we don't really have a good track record of, of our citizens knowing much about our history.
0: You have the uh, America's thirteen key genes in the uh, introduction to this book. Right. Two part question: How did you narrow it down to thirteen? And number two is voting, and is the sanctity of voting in jeopardy, David?
1: Well, I, I there were thirteen original colonies, so I thought it'd be nice to have thirteen genes because these are the genes that kind of represent what America's all about genes like the belief in the right of equality, the belief in the right to vote, the belief in free speech, and so forth. Um, and so I, I, I kind of said these are part of Americans' culture, and this is what, uh, what, what we really uh, is endemic to being American. Every country has its own culture, but these are the genes that are that are part of America. Look, there's no doubt that what's going on is that Many people who are used to having their way politically in certain, let's say, southern states have thought that minorities are now becoming a bigger and bigger percentage of the population as they're growing more rapidly than than the white part of the population, and they're going to exercise their right to vote ways that some of the majority wouldn't like. And therefore, there's uh, an effort underway, it's obviously very transparent, to uh, keep people from voting. So in Harris County, for example, in Texas, which is, which is basically Houston, there's one place that you can drop off your, your, your mail-in ballot and, or your, your absentee ballot in, in a city as big as Houston, only one place. So obviously not discouraging. It's this discouraging of people to, to, to vote by absentee. So I don't think anybody really can say with a straight face, this is designed to protect voter security. It's really designed to keep people from voting.
0: David, let's go broader here. Is Western democracy in jeopardy today?
1: Well, Western democracy after World War II was at its uh, its peak. We won World War II. We conquered the world, you could argue, and beat back to totalitarianism. And then we ultimately won the, the Cold War as well against the Soviet Union. But now we have a more complicated foe or enemy competitor, which whatever you want to use what word, um, at China. So I wouldn't say Western democracy is going to fall apart in 50 years or 100 years. But clearly there are bigger challenges than we had before. And, and clearly we have to be more vigilant than we were before. China is a much more uh, uh, vigilant comp- uh, competitor than Russia. Russia was basically a, a country that had a lot of military power, but it didn't have technological power, didn't have economic power, didn't have the kind of uh, cyber power that that China has. So we, we got to be much more. It's going to be much more challenging.
0: David I'm my guest here on Speaking of Writers, uh, his new book is The American Experiment: Dialogues on a Dream. Of all of these uh, subjects you interviewed here, Jill Lepore, Ken Burns, Henry Louis Gates Jr., the great David McCullough. Paul Simon and Wynton Marsalis on music. Billy Jean King on sports.
1: Any particular favorites? Well, it's like asking me which of my children I uh, like the most, and I like them all. Uh, but I, all the interviews are ones where you're just, you're going to get out of the interview a sense of what made this person tick, how they became successful, and then in the case of people who are or, who are prominent individuals, if you're a prominent historian, a really good sense of what. Uh, American history is about in the area that they're expert in. So I, I'd say I, I, all of the interviews are designed to be able to people to read these interviews in about 20 minutes or so, so you can pick and choose whatever interview you want, and it's not you don't have to read the entire book start to finish. So I think i found that people like reading interview transcripts, and if you, if you want to read the audio book, you can actually listen to the voices of the people that I interviewed.
0: Uh, I mentioned in the introduction, David, you wrote the book, uh, How to Lead... So you've written about leadership. What are the most important leadership traits for president?
1: Well, for president, I think it's, uh, you know, being able to communicate to people what you're trying to do. Communication is very important. I think, secondly, it is persistence. Uh, Third, I think humility is very important as well. Uh, Fourth, I think it's the ability to... um, I would say overcome adversity. You're not going to win everything, but you've got to pick yourself up and come back and 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 stay in the in the arena, as Teddy Roosevelt would say. Um, I saw President Biden over the weekend at the Kennedy Center Honors. I chair the Kennedy Center, and we had our Kennedy Center Honors, and he greeted them at the Oval Office and. Uh, I would say that, you know, he's uh, facing a lot of challenges in Capitol Hill now because he doesn't have a majority very much in in either House or Senate. It's very difficult to be a leader uh, of the country when you've got bare majorities in the House and Senate. Lyndon Johnson got great legislation through, as did FDR, but they had two-thirds majorities in the House and Senate. Harder to do that now.
0: You mentioned you're on the board for the Kennedy Center Honors. What do you think JFK's legacy is?
1: We just dedicated a statue to John F. Kennedy uh, that I really wanted to have at the Kennedy Center, and his daughter Caroline was there for the unveiling of it. His legacy in the end will be, I think, that he inspired Americans of my generation to want to go into public service and to give back to the country. And I think that is going to be his greatest legacy.
0: I know your favorite president, David, is Lincoln. Why?
1: He held the country together. It wasn't obvious to people that the country should be held together. Many people would say, look, if the South wants to go away. Fine, we'll have our country without them. He decided, no, he didn't let that, want that to happen. So he held the country together. He showed great humility. He didn't run around saying, guess what, I won the Civil War, aren't I great? He basically was a person who also had an ability to communicate in, in, in great ways. The Gettysburg Address is a master masterpiece of, of rhetoric and humility, and it's a, it's a kind of a thing that I wish we had more of today in public life.
0: Do you think the founders succeeded in hoping that there would be great leaders to carry on what they developed? I think the
1: founders um, were—they were humans like any of us—and you know, think about it. We had. 3 million people when the country was started, and out of those 3 million people, we got George Washington and, and, and Alexander Hamilton, John Adams, James Madison. Now we have 330 million people, and where are the giants of the, the George Washington and Alexander Hamilton? I, I don't really know, but uh, it is sad that we don't attract the public service as many talented people as we did uh, 250 years ago.
0: And what would you like readers to take away from the American experiment?
1: That the country is... Um, the best country on the face of the earth. People come here more than they go to any other country. Nobody wants to leave this country. But we have challenges, and only are we going to resolve them if we come together. We try to make a common good together, and we don't just fight with each other all the time. And then learning more about our country's history is a good thing to do.
0: David Rubenstein, thank you for joining me.
1: My pleasure. Thank you very much.
0: And this is Speaking of Writers. The book, again, is The American Experiment. The author is David Rubenstein. I'm Steve Richards.